Yeah. Uh-huh. recording what's you're in a car i'm in a u-haul truck wait no van a u-haul is what you're using to get around this week yes because the like to rent a minivan was like two or three times as much because and then i'd have to like figure out where to put the seats because like i'm carting around a hot pink heart while i'm on tour here in california why is a minivan more expensive than a u-haul because they assume that you're bringing more people in a minivan, like passengers. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's like, like, they're like, oh, they're going to have all these people. So we should, we should uh, charge more. <laughs> right. Like an Uber XL. Exactly. So you are driving around a U-Haul all week. You're in San Francisco. Yes. You're doing shows. Yes. Where are you people. staying? Staying at this amazing property um, tonight. Well, so the first night I was in San Francisco, um, or the first two nights, and then I stayed in Healdsburg um, the night before last, and then last night I stayed in um, Boulder Creek, California, um, which is kind of fun because a lot of the names around this part of the part of like wherever I am uh, have references to places that I've been in Scotland before, and uh-huh. I heard. Uh, I learned that like they, I guess the, 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 the legend is that, um, or whatever, that they had um, people from Scotland to come over and do the, the logging in this area, like in the early 1800s or, or whenever people came over here. Mm-hmm. So like probably gold, gold rush, mid, mid 1800s. Um, and so they had the Scottish guys come over here to do the logging because they were so like tough and could, could handle the terrain, which is hilarious. They could cut down the trees was that scottish <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> i've never been good at dialects that's my confession <laughs> never i can't do <laughs> it i'm not a impersonation comedian <laughs> did you did you um ever take any classes in, in uh, your in your training yeah i did especially like um british dialect and mm-hmm. probably some other ones but they just yeah. like Scottish is still a British dialect. Oh, I should say received pronunciation, which is the like high Brit English dialect. I think is what they call mm. it. RP. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, is that the one that what, that they use for radio? Uh, it probably like, is. Like, I think like it's like how the Queen speaks. Okay. There, there, I remember hearing that the reason why English people and people from London like like dialects used to be way more centralized or like like accents and stuff like that pronunciations used to be more like um compartmentalized and not so universal prior to the second world war um when radios became really popular well, yeah and, then they and, used the transatlantic accent yeah is that well, what you're thinking of i don't know there's and then a, there's like the, the americans was... started talking like this yeah like soft Maybe. r's and tall a's yeah. oh it's oh, like oh. how jimmy stewart spoke you know i don't i don't know who that is oh calvin doesn't know who i knew you weren't gonna when i said it <laughs> rear window 
It's a Wonderful uh, Life. Uh-uh. Oh, the pain. Nope, I don't know anything. You know enough. You know enough to be fully booked in San Francisco for the week. <laughs> booked and blessed and busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a fun episode today. Actually, I don't know if it's going to be fun, but the theme is <laughs> fun. It's that's it, fun. It is fun. Yes, because Pride Month is starting in June. Yay! And this is coming out the beginning of June. Yes. So we are going to be sharing our coming out stories in honor of Pride Month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And cue theme song. <laughs> I'm coming out. Coming. That's out. not it. If you had more time, you could you could do that one for the, for us. I this know, week. I know, but done. I'm away from my studio and I can't do anything. So here I am. Okay. Okay. Well, theme song. Theme song now. One, two, three, four. Oh, we were Christian kids. Oh, we were Christian kids. Oh, we were Christian kids. I mean, like really, really, really Christian. Okay, coming out <laughs> stories. Here's the, I was actually thinking about this before this. I'm like, oh, pride is like a celebration of who we are. And it's like a happy month and an empowering mm-hmm. month. And yet my coming out story is just filled with trauma. And I was like, I don't know if this is like um, going to be a happy tone. Um, but, trauma porn part two. Trauma porn part two. But I will say... <laughs> I just want to preface anything I say yeah. with saying, how many more times can I say say? Um, with saying that coming out was like the single greatest thing that I ever did for myself. And regardless of how like challenging it was, I it like determined the trajectory for my whole life, allowed me to mm-hmm. be who I am find who I am, continue to find who I am and um, live like a freer, fuller existence. So that's my disclaimer. Do you think that it's changed the way that you see and perceive other people as well? Um, I mean, probably, I think that it probably makes me a less like judgmental person because I'm not hiding who I am all the time. So I just kind of like walk through the world and let people be who they are because that's what I'm doing now as opposed Mm -hmm. to before when I had all of these walls built up and I was hiding. I think I would probably project some of that self-judgment onto other people. So I think that I'm less judgmental. Yeah. What about you? I mean, I was was incredibly homophobic before I came out. Mm. And like, you know, thinking about like, you know, not only do I want to change change this thing that, that I see as the most problematic thing, you know, the thing that's between me and heaven is is my desires and things that I can't control and can't seem to rein in. And apparently God didn't care enough to do anything about it. And so, like, does he hate me? Is he still around? Like, there's all these questions that come with, like, like uh, something that is that is made that was made to um, to made out to be like a chronic um sickness even mm-hmm. i mean they were probably like you know it was no longer in the the american psychology journal or whatever book whatever as a, as a sickness anymore although it was um but the 
but the kind of the tinges of that in the Christian community and the evangelical community was still very much alive and well. And it's like, this is something you can be cured of and, and God can work miracles and it would take a miracle to be cured of this thing. And, um, yeah. and so, yeah. So, so when I, when I came out and started, and started you know, like really embodying my body and, 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 and uh, growing to understand who and what and how I am, and, and acknowledging that and, and, um, and open, you know, giving space to that for myself. Um, then I, then I was able to do the same for other people as well. And I really think it starts. I mean, it's, it's like, it is, it is a Jesus teaching about like, it's the heart of the matter. It's the heart of the person. It's like, it's, it's the inside that matters. And if you can't love yourself, then you cannot love other people. Yeah. You mentioned like, um, it being, perceived as a sickness and something that can be fixed it made me think that like when I was on the precipice of coming out before I because I came out in therapy I went I like found a therapist in New York City I sent him a message before the session saying like I'm trying to work through sexuality and spirituality issues basically and I went in and over the course of weeks I'm still with that therapist years later but over the course of weeks and months I came out but before when I was standing on that precipice deciding what I was going to do I was researching conversion therapy or reparative therapy for myself Mm -hmm. thinking because I was so brainwashed I was a grown-ass man and I was I mean I was 22. Right. I don't know if that's a grown ass <laughs> man. Now, will, now that will, I'm they 31. Will, <laughs> they will give you they will give you a gun and they will let you die for your country and you can buy a house and drive a car and vote and all yes. this stuff. So you're a grown pretty enough. much a grown ass man. Um I don't think you can rent a car till you're 25, but um uh, okay, almost a grown ass man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was so brainwashed that I thought genuinely, I didn't know. I was like, is this something? that can be fixed. I mean, I had been in this bubble in Kansas my whole life and I had been told that it was. And so I was like doing all of this Googling and this internet research and considering going to reparative therapy, thinking, oh, maybe I can fix this and I can be a straight guy after all and have a wife and have a kids, have kids and my whole life will be quote unquote normal. Um, Probably a lot of that was fueled by the fear of not wanting to have to come out to my family. Like if I could fix this, I'm never going to have to come out to my ultra conservative family. So what a, what a fucking blessing that would be. Um, but I ended up going to the other therapist and I remember he told me later, like early on, he's like, it looks like you've chosen a direction because you have, you didn't go to the reparative therapy. You came here instead. So it looks like you're on a journey and like you can trust your instincts and that was like a life-saving message to hear was that like just someone like gently confirming the path I was on saying like it looks like you already chose this to some extent and um you're allowed to keep going was like enough of a nudge for me to stay in that direction and eventually yeah you know like i said i came out in therapy 
I remember my therapist asked me one time point blank, because I was doing all of this waffling and all of this processing. And he just said, are you gay? Yeah, a fair question. <laughs> and being asked so directly in such a non-judgmental environment, I think I eventually just answered yes. So once I had come out to myself, you know, it, it came down to sharing it with the world. Um, mm -hmm. What was like the point for you where you said to yourself, I am gay before you came out to the world? Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked about it probably many times. I don't know if, if necessarily on this podcast, but, uh, but other things I've talked about. It was a very definitive moment. And I, like, I had been, um, in, in the time that we were growing up, it was very common or like easier to like be bisexual or like to say that you're bisexual or like, um, and, and there are bisexuals who, who are happily, you know, 50-50 and there's every range in between. Um, and I definitely have been attracted to women a, a couple of times in my life. <laughs> yeah, count them too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but and so, so those were those were words that I that I remember using to describe myself um, for for a little while. But it wasn't until I was living in Scotland, which is why that time was such a formative time for me um, as a missionary. And and it, it, even still, I feel like you know you know, sometime I'm going to have to encounter some of the people who were supporting me in that process and who were giving me money to be a missionary to Edinburgh, you know, and I, and I feel like I was betraying them, even though I really didn't want to, it just what is it, it, it is what it is, and it was what it was, and um, I did my best to, you know, I, I feel a little bit of like a tinge of guilt from, from having processed this at that time. Mm -hmm. um, but the but then I was also, um, you know, kind of a, around people who were not involved in the church who were allowing me, you know, offering me space, both friends and and romantic interests. Who, I mean, everybody that I, that, that I talked to, they assumed I was gay, um, and 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 made it made me made me know that. Um, so <laughs> so like like I it was like yeah because it like wasn't um, a big deal to them. Right. They were just like, oh, you're not? And I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, but inside the church, I was just like a safe, loving, cool, artsy, eligible bachelor, you know? Right. Um, and uh, anyway, so yeah, so there was one night when I was walking down the street, like I was really broke. I had no money. So I was like, I took a walk. I don't, I don't think I even had like food that day. I was like taking harp lessons instead of eating. And, um, and I knew that if I went out to the, any of the open mic nights in this particular night that like my friends would, would like probably have bought me like something to drink or something to eat. And then like would be down for me to just hang and help me out. But like, I didn't, I felt, I didn't want them to have to do that. So then I just like, I just was alone and cold and hungry. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and, and so and it like, you know, it's probably like close to winter and the winter in Scotland, it gets very, very dark. It's like, it's a Gotham, like there's no sunshine. Um, and uh, like the days start at like 10 AM and they end at like 3 PM. And so like, you have just dark all the time. And um and I remember I was praying because we used to, you and I, we and, and, and a bunch of our friends growing up, we used to pray and walk and talk to God. And so I was praying up and down Leaf Walk 
And um, I remember particularly that I was walking downhill away from the castle towards my flat at this time. And, and I said, God, I don't, I don't, like, you know everything. You're not intimidated by my sin, by sin at all. You're not intimidated by anything. And if you are the God of the universe, you already know what, you know, all of the crushes, all of the chemicals, all of the pheromones, all of the um, times watching gay porn, all of the guilt, all the shame, all the times that I cried out to you. If you are the God of the universe, if you are omniscient, you already know all of this shit. So, so I'm not, I'm, I'm done hiding that from you and pretending like you're not there. And then, and then I was like, and you say you love me unconditionally. So if that's the case, then, then, then what, what do you gain from me hating myself? So like, this is the end of, of me hating me. And then it was like, you know, Jesus said the truth will set me free. And the truth is I like Dick and yes <laughs> and and if we like and if we want to talk about this if you want to wrestle you know like like who was it, elijah like like the prophet elijah if you want to wrestle with me about this i'm happy to do that but i'm just like gonna not be sad anymore all the time because it's just not it's not fair for any for anybody involved in this equation not mm -hmm. my friends not for me not to you god and and i and and i'm and I'm, just, I'm over it I'm just over it. And right. so it was just really just a very like, like point blank decision that like, like this is the life that I'm experiencing and I'm no longer going to deny the fact that I've experienced this. Right. Did you put a Man. label on it? Did you put the label I'm gay on it in your head? I don't The label's think so. big. Yeah. Because it, because then it was a process after that. Because again, like I said, I was I was a missionary. I was as a hired individual sent to another country to convert people to Christianity, and and so I think it was more of a I, I think at that time it was more about I am a homosexual, but and I enjoy being homosexual. Like mm -hmm. I enjoyed. I enjoy that. And just that admitting it was like a huge thing. I think right. gay like has also connotations of like cultural things too. Um, and so I don't think that I knew enough then because I was still kind of really sheltered. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, prob I probably wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have said I'm gay that day. Um, yeah. But, but definitely I was just like, I was, I was growing more comfortable with just existing in my body and see and, and and like like supporting my body and and its needs and wants and desires yeah and just being who you were basically yes yeah 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 that was um that's like yeah that's the first step it's yeah. like the first step is coming out to yourself and accepting yourself yeah. for who you are yeah yeah and embracing yourself and like like removing all like all stigma all dogma all like just like holding space for yourself mm. to say like i am i am good like i'm good yeah see for me there was a long time after saying i'm gay where i still lived in like active fear that i might go to hell it was like yeah. this this process like i had to tackle one thing at a time my therapist would ask me again point blank 
questions like, do you think you're going to hell? And this could be, this could have been months after I said I was gay and I would sit there and struggle and be like, I mean, it's possible. It's possible that I am, which is funny because now I, I have like, I like have absolutely zero concept of hell in my life. Like there's, (laughs) there's no part of me, none that thinks that hell exists, not even an inkling. Yeah. But it took time for that to be stripped away because it was so ingrained in my mind. I'm like yeah. so grateful that it doesn't exist in my mind yeah. anymore. Yeah. But yeah, it haunted me for a while. And then it was like, well, am I going to start telling people? And mm-hmm. I remember I started with, I was like sleeping with a guy at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like, basically in a relationship but it was like on the dl like we weren't Mm -hmm. telling anybody about it he was out but he knew that i wasn't um which i'm gonna say was a little toxic and it was it was it was on me that it was toxic (laughs) Mm -hmm. um because this poor guy couldn't be honest about this like relationship that he was having because i like wouldn't Mm -hmm. let him um but i wasn't ready and Mm -hmm. So that was happening, but I still hadn't told any of like my friends. So I had to start telling my friends about it. And Mm -hmm. I guess I told you at some point. And we talked about this on the podcast. If you remember the the order, which, which, uh, what priority was I? I remember I told (laughs) one of my friends, she was like, like one of my closest friends in New York and we hung out all the time and Mm -hmm. I knew she wouldn't care. (laughs) She had like hundreds of gay friends. She's like in theater. And um, I told her and she was just like, so supportive. She's like, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. It's like that you've been taught that it's just so wrong. There's nothing wrong with I remember like that messaging like hitting me so hard. I was like, you're yeah, an yeah. you're an angel in my life. <laughs> um and it's like it's like because like, in my mind I'm imagining because because we are kind of those people now. And so like yeah. like thinking about like like rescuing like like the underground railroad for for little gays from Kansas, like she's like, No, 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 and like, <laughs> like yeah, like you're out, you're out now. You're like take take refuge in right in this like liberal society, like like you know, thinking about bunker people or like like you know i think about handmaid's tale like like you're out now like like yeah you don't have to think that way anymore right yeah she was so affirming um and honestly helped me so much then there was like so i i must have come out to you at some point early yeah um i vaguely remember like sitting in my room texting it to you right mm-hmm yeah, maybe. Why is it so fuzzy? Probably because I was drunk all the time. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and you Dustin were used depressed. to drink a lot. You were pretty depressed. Yeah, I was. Um, you know, and uh, and I was depressed too. Uh, I mean, in ways like probably I don't know if I was clinically depressed, but I was definitely sad a lot, um, which is different. Okay, um, <laughs> and. 
but but I do, but I do remember you and and another friend from from home uh, came out to me that year or those two years. But I think it was in the first year that I was there, and I felt like 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 in some ways like both jealous and betrayed and concerned, maybe and challenged because, and challenged. Yeah, because because you know, and, and like you said, we have talked about this before, but. But I wanted to be able to do that, uh, but I couldn't see a, a way, like a possible future that that was possible. Like I just didn't have a way to do that. Um, right. Or I, did, I felt I felt that I get, like I didn't have a way to do that. And you know, and it was a journey beyond that. Like it was like definitely a, a journey. It was part of your coming out story. It was your friends coming out? Yeah. To yeah. That must have yeah. been before that walk down the street yes. where you had that moment. Yeah, you, you know, you came out to me before I came out to myself. Yeah. Although I had been in like a physical relationship with with a guy um, even before I went to Scotland. And yeah, and what I've learned <laughs> is that doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you can read more about that in my upcoming book called Every Good Boy Does Fine. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you can. I've read it. It's great. <laughs> Pre-order on Amazon. Yes. Um, sorry, shameless plug, but let's, let's just put it out there. Um <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so there are lots of uh, stories about like the, the, that process, and this podcast really inspired that book. And um, right. and up, oh, um, I need my phone to be charging right now. That's important. It is. Important. We can't lose. I'm so you. sorry. I don't want to. Yeah. I mean, I could I just sit here lost. and tell my story alone, which I would do if I lost you. <laughs> Are you there? Well, now we've lost Calvin. So here I am telling my story all alone. I um, There you are. <laughs> I filled the space. I um, Yeah, so we both had physical relationships with guys before we came out to ourselves. Right, right. Years long. Mine was not quite years long, but it was almost <laughs> a year long. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, okay. So then, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like I want to, I kind of want to like transition to talking about, about pride. Oh, okay. And like, what does that word mean to you? Like both on like the historical level and like personal and like just like talk about some of that in like in your own story but also like globally like what what does pride mean to you well the first thing that came to mind when you said that was actually kind of the crux of my coming out story which is when I came out to my parents and to my mm -hmm. family which was very hard they were um I I worked with my therapist to prepare like what I was going to say. And I went home and visited, I was going to come out and then I didn't do it because I was too scared. And then my parents were visiting New York for the first time. And I was like, I'm going to do it then that weekend mm -hmm. uh, when they visit. And I was still very scared. And I took them to a Broadway show, which should have been their biggest clue. And then uh, we went back to their hotel room afterwards and um, I sat them down and I told them, I just very plainly said, 
I love you guys. I want you to be a part of my life. That means you knowing who I am. So I have to tell you that I'm gay and I've been gay my whole life. And this has been a great source of struggle for me. And I'm, am who I am. And I hope you can accept me. And, you know, my mom was crying. My dad was silent. It was like an hour long debacle. By the end of it, they hugged me said, we love you and you're still our son, but it was very clear that they weren't going to accept the gay part of me. And it is eight years later Mm -hmm. and they still don't accept the gay part of me. So how does pride work into that? Honestly, I have to have pride, like whatever that word means, in, in the face of my family, not accepting who I am. Like, It is up to me. This feels so cheesy to say now because pride has become so corporatized, but um, it's up to me to be proud of who I am and to be proud of being gay, which means being different from the majority of society and proud of what makes me different. And like, I, um, I have to be unapologetically, I guess to me, Pride means being unapologetically who I am in the face of people saying that it's wrong and it's not who I should be. And I still have to do that eight years later with my family. And they will still say things to me like we believe this is a sin. And I have to dig deep and counter that. And be like, Mm -hmm. no, it is not. And who I am is good. And it's not changing and not filter myself. Like it can still be a challenge for me today to say the word gay in front of my family or to say I'm a gay man or to talk Mm -hmm. about it at all because there's Mm -hmm. such an element of shame and judgment involved. Mm -hmm. So doing that to me is what pride means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I guess we should, we should finish up our, uh, finish up our, our stories for this episode. Um, like I, I came out kind of incrementally. Um, it took me years to, to kind of complete that process because I was involved um, very heavily in Christian organizations that were paying me um, money and I didn't want to lose my job. Um, so I, I was out to my close friends but and not my family. And then I was out to kind of like, other friends and then like certain parts of town and other parts of town I would I would I would be I would wear flannel and khakis and uh and then eventually after I came out to my parents and I felt like I was financially secure and safe and I had a community of people who loved me for who I was that I that I then came out publicly and online and um for for the whole world to see and um and I really I feel like it was it was really good for me to, to not do it, kind of pull off the, the Band-Aid and, and walk a very dangerous, possibly dangerous um, road that I was incremental. And, and I guess I just want to point out that everyone's process is their own process and their own journey and, and that, you know, safety first. I know yes. that we've had some listeners who, who wrote us who wrote us years ago, or not years ago, fuck, we haven't been doing this for years, <laughs> who, wrote, who wrote us months ago, and, and, was, and he was explaining that they, you know, they don't have, they don't, they're not in a safe position, and um, so I would say, you know, be cautious, 
and that your that your safety is is of, of utmost importance and um and and to you know make a strategy rather than just like <laughs> running away from home into nothing you know don't 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 put yourself in that position and, and i know that there are probably thousands of people out there who have done that you know and, and, and maybe we're forced to do that but if you can build a strategy for somewhere to go or somewhere to be connect with people find a network find a community find somewhere safe to be and um and and that's definitely definitely my advice and pride pride to me is like is all the things that we do like there are and i'm this could be a wrong wrong statistic but i'm pretty sure it's not wrong there are 20, and maybe you can Google it while we're talking, but I, but last I heard, last I remember, there were 27 countries on the planet in which it was legal for, for homosexuals to be killed by law. And I guess that was redundant, but, but, but places in the world, what's the number? Um, where it, I don't know. I got a FaceTime at the same time I was going to Google that. <laughs> okay um but if there was even one country that that it was it would be too much but i, I know think it's, it's 13 okay, okay no okay. it's a crime in 70 countries wow and um uh, in 26 other countries the maximum penalty is prison Mm. Um, and there, I know that there are at least 13 countries where being gay is legally punishable by death, according to the headline yeah. of the article. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and when, when, when was that article published? Um, 2019. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's pretty fresh. Um, yeah. Because we've had how many seasons of Drag Race? Just saying, um, right? <laughs> uh, and so, and so, in some ways, I do feel very fortunate to be in this country. Obviously, right? For, because we get to have these conversations. But the pride, the point of pride for me is that, like, we get to create beauty, and we get to create laughter, we get to create safe spaces, we get to create music, we get to create inventions, we get to be involved in technology and design and counseling and in families and in communities, and and we get to make beautiful. Uh, food and we get to make you know just magic and and enjoy life in the face of a world in which there are people who exist on this planet at this very moment who wish I was dead and so the pride is in the living <laughs> right and that we and that and that and that we are doing more than just existing that we are not cowering in the shadows but that we get to we get to show off and flaunt the beauty that is us and and the intelligence and the kindness and the empathy more than just our sexuality but who we are as, as complete individuals yeah yeah like we we contribute to we contribute so much to to the cultural fabric of this planet and to the the families and the and the the, the, the intelligence to the like, literal fabric on this planet, right? <laughs> like, and I just you know, and it's like we could be in hiding and we could be, you know, literally refugees, and and, and I'm sure that there are those people um, too, but 
but in the face of being called not worthy of living that we make we make things better anyway <laughs> yeah wow yeah that's pride yeah i love gay people i will say <laughs> gay people are fun and funny and smart and i mean and not just gay people queer people the whole spectrum yeah yeah um i believe that we are a gift to the world and mm-hmm. we offer perspectives that wouldn't be here otherwise and Mm -hmm. it really is worth being celebrated it really is Mm -hmm. as cliche as it has become and as corporate as pride has become if you get down to the root of it it's like oh no we're like special different people (laughs) Mm -hmm. we're x-men baby (laughs) (laughs) yes house of xavier (laughs) yes So I guess we will continue on being ourselves. There's this other element I'll say, so I guess we're nearing the end, but it's like, this is about our coming out stories, but we are coming out all the time. I have to come out every time I go on stage. That's why my either it's either in the first slot or the second slot, my first or second joke. Mm -hmm. um, I tell the audience that I'm gay because I Mm -hmm. have to, not just because then my other jokes won't work. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But also because it's who I am and I need them Mm -hmm. to know who I am and also know that I know who I am because they're probably going to be thinking it either way. Um, But I meet new people. I have to come out to them if I want them to know who I am. Like the coming out doesn't stop just because I have Mm -hmm. quote unquote come out. Mm -hmm. Um. So it's like a lifelong process, and it, but do you think that's a little bit because you dress like in like an American Eagle model? <laughs> so uh, does that make me look more or less gay? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just think I'm, like, I'm over here with, a, with I'm over here with a rose in my hair and some eyeliner and earrings, dangly earrings. Yeah, and so I, I wonder, like you know, like I'm I'm kind of saying it from from a mile You've away. You've already come um, out so I, by the way that you have decorated yourself in a way. Correct. And I was eating like an omelet and some hash browns, and I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't actually dress super gay, and whatever that means, guys, I know that that's not probably politically correct, but I'm not. I don't mean that in like some serious type of way. But I just like. I wear a t-shirt and pants is my point um, every day of my life. And uh, so, yeah, maybe I have to come out more explicitly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm just, I mean, it's just an interesting part. You know, I I feel like I don't have to have those conversations, you know, and like, and I don't really have to to do that, but I'm saying it loudly in other, in other ways. And maybe because I don't want to have to talk about it, you know, like it's a, it's a kind of another mechanism. It's like, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a preemptive statement. It's, this is like, like, yeah, it's like a pretest. <laughs> but you're still coming out by being who you are, is my point. Like you are telling, yeah. Yeah. you meet a new person, they will discover that you're gay, which is like a coming mm-hmm. out in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe eventually I, I, I it also, will be yeah. such not an issue that people won't even think twice about it. You know what I mean? 
but yeah. it still is yeah. a thing today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So are you glad? Mm. Are you glad that you came out? Yeah. Yeah, I really am. I feel like, oh, I, I don't know. If, did I say this on the podcast already? I don't, I don't remember. But but like a few weeks ago, I had this realization that like, like if I think back to who I was in high school um, and and who I was when I was very closeted and, and, and self-hating, like that if I visioned a future in which I would be proud of, that that was going to look a lot like having a wife and kids and a dog and a house in the suburbs of Kansas. And, and that I'm currently like living my, 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 my wildest fantasy and also my worst nightmare. And, and like that I like would see people who look like I do now, who, who present like I do now and be like, again, furious and scared for them and jealous. Like in what life can you be so free? In what life can you can you express yourself so beautifully and feel safe in your skin? Like, cause I don't, and I haven't ever yet. You know, back then, mm-hmm. and and so and so now to be able to be like, oh, those earrings are cute. I'm gonna put them in, mm-hmm. and uh, and like, you know, I'm gonna paint my my fingers gold so that they show up on stage when I'm playing my harp, or like. And, 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 and also go to the grocery store and not have to take them off before I go to the grocery store. Right. Um, and, and like, I'm going to wear a rose in my hair because I think it's beautiful and, and I want, and I want to, to adorn this vessel, you know, and I feel, I feel really grateful that I, that I get to have this, like, yeah, this, be- this beautiful life and, and not hide anymore. Hmm. You know what that made me think of, which is fascinating to me, my vision of myself as a kid, I truly envisioned myself being an adult standing on the stage with a microphone talking about being gay. But in my vision, then it was that I was like a pastor or a speaker of some sort talking about how I overcame it and I was free from it. What's interesting wow. is that what happened is I am actually an adult who stands on stage with a microphone and talks about being gay, but it's as right. a comedian and it's in a way that celebrates it and embraces it and talks about wow. the difficulty of becoming who I am. I just thought of that wow. as you said that, but I remember clear as wow. day that being my vision. So I'm wow. a prophet is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so cool. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. I, I never, in, in my dreams, I never graduated po- past blue jeans and uh, and a, like a sport jacket, a blazer. Mm. <laughs> Remember those days with a, yes. with a bootcut jean and a blazer? <laughs> Your Sarah Palin glasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved those yes. glasses. <laughs> I wore those for a long time. A long time, until maybe yeah. after college. Yeah, absolutely. I wore those all throughout Scotland. And then I moved back and then I got a little Honda Civic that I had like if somebody in a Mercedes T-boned me because I ran a red light on accident because the person in front of me ran the red light before me and I just followed them through the light and then I'm a teacher in a Mercedes, professor in the Mercedes, like didn't see me. I'm still sore about it. But yeah, so I, I um, <laughs> uh, 
I had a car and then I didn't have enough money to like fix it and it wasn't really worth fixing. But like they impounded it before I really had a chance to go get my stuff out of it and my glasses were in that car. Oh, it was a blessing that you got T-boned. I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Now you don't even wear glasses. I just realized. I mean, I, I no, I got some new ones, remember? But but um Oh yeah. But yeah, I, I I, I've been wearing contacts most recently, but the, the prescription, my, 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 my one eye has, has uh, needs a, a stronger prescription. So, and, but I didn't realize that until I started wearing those glasses. And so now I'm like, kind of like looking at the world with the contacts and with like, everything's kind of, I don't know, trippy. Fun. Free high yeah. is what we call that in recovery. A <laughs> free high. The free well, high. Calvin, you have a show to do, don't you? Yeah, I gotta get to my. I gotta get, gotta go do my load in now. Okay. Well, listen. I am proud to know you, just mm. who you are. And I'm oh, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I am proud of you for all the sacrifices and shit that you had to go through to be who you are today. And it's been a lot of a fucking journey, and you did it, and you're doing it, and it's amazing. Thank you, Calvin. <laughs> I uh, I guess I'll talk to you. I'm obviously going to talk to you in one second, but for the purposes yeah. of the podcast, I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> okay, sounds cute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Stay proud out okay. there. Happy Pride, everybody. Happy June. Woohoo! Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you.